Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I'm in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62, in which Luke discusses Peter's denial of his Lord three times before the cock crowed. There are some parallel passages passages that discuss this incident, Mark chapter 14, verses 54 and 66 through 72, Matthew 26, verses 58, 69 through 75, John 18, verses 15 through 18, and 25 through 27. I have already discussed this issue going through all four parallel passages in my discussion of Mark chapter 14, verses 54 and 66 through 72. And so I'm going to splice that discussion in here, and that splice begins now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am in Mark chapter 14. We're going to finish up the chapter today. We're going to talk about Peter's thrice denial of his Lord in Caiaphas' courtyard on Good Friday morning, early in the morning in the middle of the night, while Jesus was being interrogated. Mark gives a very abbreviated version of the events. The events are recorded in four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I'm going to have to hop back and forth between the Gospels to get a continuous narrative of this. And Mark it's, has some interesting extra details, even though it's he has a short, a relatively short narrative. So we'll start out in John chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, and we read this. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was following Jesus. Following Jesus after Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, all the disciples fled. Peter circled back around and started following in Jesus. Mark and Matthew in the parallel passages say that Peter followed afar off. He was scared of getting caught. Simon Peter was following Jesus, John tells us in chapter 18, as was another disciple. And that other disciple was probably John who was writing this book, and out of modesty he didn't mention his name. I'm going to assume it was John. So Simon, Peter, and John are following the arrest party to see what's going to happen to Jesus. That disciple, John, was an acquaintance of the high priest. So he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. And this is not Annas. Now, this, according to Robertson, this is not Annas. This is Caiaphas. There were two high priests, the former high priest Annas and the current high priest Caiaphas. This is Caiaphas' house and, his, and the courtyard at his house. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, i.e. John, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. So John, because he knew the high priest and was known to the doorkeeper, she said, okay, I know who you are. I'm going to let you in. You might say, well, why did she not say, hey, you're one of Jesus' disciples. Why didn't she think on John? Well, because John was privileged because he knew he was known by the high priest. She probably figured he had some authority. I'm not going to mess with him. She let him in, and she and she let Peter in because Peter was with John. Now, let's give a description of this courtyard, which I thought was pretty well described by Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. Quote, the street door, or a heavy folding gate through which single persons entered by a wicket kept by the porter, opened by a passage or porch into a quadrangle court. So what Mark calls a porch is really just a covered passageway going through the through the one-person gate, through that covered passageway into a quadrangular court here called the palace or hall, which was open above. So then you walk through that covered walkway and you got to an open port, which is frequently fl- paved with flagstones. In the center of this court, the fire would be kindled in a brazier. That's where Peter and the soldiers stood and the temple police stood to keep warm. 
At the upper end of the court probably was the chamber in which the trial was held, that's where Jesus would be, open to the court and not far from the fire, according to Luke 22, verse 61, but on a higher level, for Mark says the court was beneath it. So probably you could look up, maybe through a window, and see where Jesus was being tried. The ascent to the room where Jesus was was perhaps by a short flight of steps. So Peter gets in with who I said was John. Now, the NIV study Bible doesn't say it was certainly John. They say it was perhaps John. And the arguments in favor of it being John was that, as John Gill says, is that John frequently talks of himself without mentioning his name. The disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast, you recall he said that? And Peter and John frequently hung around together. Peter, James, and John, they were often together. So it's, it's reasonable to think this is John. Now, some people object. How could a Galilean fisherman know the high priest? John Gill mentions this objection, and he answers it by saying, well, he knew the high priest because he sold fish to the high priest's house, which I thought was an interesting solution to the problem. I don't know when John was down there in Jerusalem, unless he was with Jesus during the Judean ministry, but I can imagine in that time they didn't have cell phones that could take pictures of people that you could be a disciple of Jesus and not be known as exactly who you were. But at any rate, I'm going to assume this is John, he knew the high priest. So let's go now to John 18, verses 17 through 18. Then the slave girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You aren't one of his, of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. First denial. I am not, he, Peter said. Now the slaves and the temple police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. When it says slaves, that's the servants of the high priest, the household servants. And then, of course, the temple police who were under Caiaphas. The Roman guards had probably been dismissed by now. They had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. Remember, this is an early spring, Passover time. That can be kind of chilly at night. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them, warming himself. He was with them because he would have looked suspicious standing off. So he was standing there, not to mention the fact he might have been cold and would like to get next to the fire. Now, all four Gospels record that Peter's first challenge, the first person that ratted Peter out, I'm going to call Peter the first fink, the first fink that ratted Peter out was this slave girl. Now, the NIV study Bible says that she was the most unimportant person imaginable. And I, and I, point, and I elaborate on that by saying, as far as her age, she was probably young. She, of course, was a woman. She was a young girl, probably. She was a slave. And so people point out to Peter's detriment, hey, Peter, you denied Jesus to a slave girl. Wow, that really shows some courage. Right after you, just a few hours before the Last Supper, said you were going to follow Jesus to the death, go to prison with him, do whatever was necessary, and here you are denying him to a slave girl. Now, I will point out to you, however, that slave girl could have told somebody with power. She could. But, of course... Slave girls might have been in the habit of never talking to her bosses about important stuff. So at any rate, John Gill speculates that he could have said, yeah, I was one of his followers, and Peter could have still gotten away because nothing would have happened. She wouldn't have been able to get people to believe her and go chase him. He would have been long gone by the time the the people started chasing him. Of course, the temple police were standing right there around the fire, but they would have to believe her first. And he probably could have gotten away. But he didn't. He denied. He denied Jesus. Some people have questioned how this slave girl, excuse me, how John was able to get the slave girl in. Excuse me, how John was able to get Peter in past the slave girl. 
And that's no problem to me. Peter could have, John could have just said, hey, slave girl, doorkeeper, this is Peter, my friend. And she let him in because she knew who John was. John was known to the household. Now, in the gospel accounts, some of the gospel accounts, especially Mark, the denials follow one, two, three, one on top of another real quickly, and it makes it seem like they happened uh, together all at once. But probably there were intervals between the denials where other things happened. That makes more sense, actually. The NIV Study Bible says that. It's obvious that Peter was not expecting such a question from the slave girl. He answered the question quickly and rashly without even thinking. And he told, of course, a bald-faced lie. He did know Jesus. He has shown so much courage before, but now he wilted before a slave girl. He, he had not only told Jesus a few hours before that he would never deny Jesus at the Last Supper, he had also, in Gethsemane, struck one of the high priest soldiers, or servants, Malchus, on the head with a sword. And it's interesting that uh, one of Malchus's kinsmen and the temple police who had arrested Jesus, the same temple police that Peter had brandished a sword at in the dark at Gethsemane, he's standing with him around the fire. I bet he was being quiet. I bet he was nervous. They probably didn't, I'm sure they didn't recognize him because it was dark when he was up there in Gethsemane swinging his sword. But still, just the thought of it would make my blood curdle, but Peter was standing there. So I guess in one sense he was brave to stand amidst the people who had just finished, that he had just finished swinging, swinging a sword at. But on the other hand, he was not courageous enough to confess Jesus before that slave girl. Now, I said Peter was brave to stand there with those temple police around that fire, but he really had to be there with them, according to the NIV Study Bible. On a cold night, he would have been, he would have been very conspicuous standing away from the fire. Maybe he was just so curious, really curious of what was going to happen, that he had to stand by the fire and take the risk. But at any rate, it makes sense that he was standing there, not to mention the fact he was probably cold, too. Now, the question arises, why did that slave girl question Peter and, and say, you were one of his disciples, too? Why would she think that Peter was a disciple just by looking at him? Well, she might, well, she did know, we're going to say in a minute, the, there's one word in this passage that tips us off that the girl knew that John was a disciple. So John knew that John was the slave girl, the doorkeeper slave girl knew that John was a disciple. And since Peter was with John, it was a logical inference that Peter was a, a disciple too, just like John. So that's why she confronted him. Also, Peter was standing alone after John got him in. I don't know why, but Peter's not standing with John. Peter was standing alone, and that looked suspicious. All the other temple police standing there, jovially, convivially chatting away, and Peter's just standing there alone, like a, sticking out like a sore thumb. Could be his dress was poor, like a fisherman. Maybe that tipped her off. Maybe his Galilean speech. I don't know. But for some reason, she challenged him. Now, John Gill's got an interesting theory here. He said she might not have been challenging challenging Peter. She may have just been commiserating with him. For example, in verse 17, she says, you aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? Oh, I'm so sorry your master got arrested. I hope you're okay. <laughs> I tell you, John Gill's got the greatest imagination of anybody I ever saw. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe she was challenging Peter, but I just thought I'd mention that because it is a possibility, even though it's a quite unlikely possibility, I think. Now, how do we know that the slave girl, the doorkeeper, knew that John was a disciple of Jesus? It's because of this little word, too, in verse 17, John chapter 18. Then the slave girl, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples, too, are you? 
you aren't one of this man's disciples also, are you, is what she means. Well, what does the two mean? She's obviously referring to another disciple. And who could that disciple be? The only disciple that was there was John. So she must have known that John was the disciple. I think that logic is pretty tight. I mean, maybe people disagree with it, but I think she knew. Well, if she knew that John was a disciple, the next question is, well, then why didn't she challenge John? Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown say she didn't challenge him because John was privileged. He knew the high priest, and since he knew the high priest, she let him in, figured, I'm not going to mess with John because John knows people with authority. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown agrees with what I just said. He says that she knew that John was a disciple. All right, now we are going to switch gears, and we're going to go now to Luke chapter 22, verse 55. I will read Luke 22, 55, 56, and 57. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. Those are the temple police and the servants. When a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too. Now this servant is the same doorkeeper, the doorkeeper servant. Homer Christian Study Bible translates the word as servant as slave. Verse 57, but he, Peter, denied it. Woman, I don't know him. So that's the first denial. Now, I'm going to mention all of these denials. The harmonization problem between these four Gospels is pretty bodaciously difficult. One commentator I read said it was impossible to harmonize. I don't believe that. I'm going to give it my best shot. And of course, I could be wrong. I'm not a PhD in New Testament. I'm not a biblical scholar. But I think I can reconcile it fairly reasonably here. This first denial here is after the first fink, I call him, the first person to fink out Peter, confronted him. And as we see from John, that was the doorkeeper. So I'm going to assume this woman here is the doorkeeper. And Peter says, I, woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, after a little while, well, we're not going to go to verse 58. That's the second denial. We'll stop here at 57. So in Luke, we see that the first denier, the first uh, fink, the first person who challenged Jesus is called a servant, but it must be the doorkeeper servant. One minor point we can pick up here from Luke chapter 22, verse 56. The woman did not make her charge directly to Peter, in this instance, the doorkeeper slave. She said this man also was with him, which sounds like she is not only not only confronted Peter directly, she also mentioned it to the people standing around too. So this might have been a different time than, than her direct challenge to Peter. Now we can turn to Matthew 26, verses 69 and 70, which I will read now. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant approached him, and she said, You were with the Galilean too. This is the same doorkeeper, slave, servant. Verse 70, but he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. John Gill says that Peter was about to give Jesus more pain than the beating, slapping, and spitting that Jesus had to undergo that night. Peter denied his Lord. Of course, Jesus is going to catch him in the eyes. We'll see as we go on with this story <laughs> when Peter denies him the third time. So it was, it was terrible what Jesus had to go through. Now, notice that the slave girl calls Peter this Galilean. This is in verse 69 of Matthew 26. This was probably by way of reproach, John Gill says, as in, the Messiah can't come from Galilee, so why is he claiming so? You know, people didn't believe that the Messiah could come from Galilee because the Messiah was the Lion of Judah. And in Micah, that famous prophecy in Micah, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. So, so it could be she's making fun of Peter as a Galilean. She says, you were with him, weren't you? This man was with him. 
Well, when? She could be just referring in general. It couldn't be with the Garden of Gethsemane because she wouldn't have seen that. She might have seen him in the temple or in Jerusalem as Peter went around with Jesus as they were ministering. But at any rate, she's claiming Peter as a disciple and is coming as a spy. That, of course, would be dangerous to Peter if the, war, if the soldiers started believing it. And if they spread the word of the high priest inside the house, it could have become a dangerous situation. Now, Adam Clark said this would have been a great opportunity for Peter to witness about his Lord. But instead, Peter denied him. By the way, I mentioned that in Luke, she meant she's, she made the accusation to the bystanders. This man, this man was with him too. But here in Matthew, she directly says, you were with him, weren't you, Peter? And... That's not a contradiction. She could have made the remarks to the bystanders first and then to Peter in the course of the confrontation there. That's not a problem. Now let's turn to Mark 14, and we'll read verses 66, 67, and 68. While Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest's servants came. Now this is the same uh, girl slave, the doorkeeper. She came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus. But he, Peter, denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went out to the courtyard and a rooster crowed. Now, this is a detail that Mark only has. He has two roosters crowing. Matthew, Luke, and John omit the first rooster and only mention the second rooster. only have one rooster crowing, which is the second rooster. But Peter has a rooster crowing here after the first denial. Now, earlier in when... Jesus is at the Lord's Supper, and he's telling Peter that, that Peter's going to deny him three times. Mark records that Jesus said, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me. Whereas Matthew, Luke, and John only say, When the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. They're both true. There's not hard to reconcile. It's just that Matthew, Luke, and John don't mention this first cock crowing right here after the first denial. And it didn't tip anything off in Peter's head. It, it, it did not remind him of what Jesus had said. Because Jesus said, when the cock crows twice, you will have denied me three times. All right, now let's turn to Peter's second denial. And we'll first look at John chapter 18, verse 25, which reads this way. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. That's the second denial. Who challenged them? It's they. Now, this is interesting because this goes to that bodacious harmonization problem I was telling you about. I read one commentator said that it was so hard to harmonize it was impossible. I don't believe that. I, you know, I don't believe it's impossible, but it is difficult, especially for somebody like me who's not an expert. But this is the way I harmonize it. And here in John 18, verse 25, we have the word they challenged Peter. In Matthew 26, 71, we have another maid. That means another maid besides the doorkeeper's maid. And this maid was on the porch. In other words, she's standing in that covered walkway going into the courtyard from the outside gate. So we have another maid challenge, Peter. In Mark 14, we have the maid, which referring back to the doorkeeper maid. And then in Luke 22:58, the person challenged Peter, and Peter answered him, man, so it's another man. So here we have... The four Gospels, and every one of them says something different. John says they challenged him. Matthew says another maid besides the doorkeeper challenged him. Mark says the doorkeeper maid challenged Peter. And Luke says another man challenged him. How do you reconcile that? Well, this is how I reconcile it. This is the way NIV Study Bible reconciles it. And it's not difficult. 
really is that all of these people are standing around the fire, and they all start throwing questions at Peter, probably because of the first denial when the doorkeeper made it, challenged him, and that something about the situation aroused their suspicions. So they start saying, are, could you be one of his disciples? So who were the people that challenged Peter standing around that fire? First, the doorkeeper maid. She challenged him again. Then another maid picked up the challenge. The porch, I call her the maid on the porch, or the maid in the porch. She challenged him. Then another man challenged him in Luke. Uh, let me start over. In, Ma in uh, Mark, the doorkeeper maid challenged Peter standing around the fire. Peter denied that the second time. Matthew, another maid besides the doorkeeper maid, the maid on the porch, challenged Peter. And in Luke, another man challenged Peter, and John just lumps them all together and said they challenged Peter. That's perfectly reconcilable to me. And, of course, Peter denies them all. Now, the interesting question is, is were these people expecting a yes answer? My NIV study Bible says they were expecting a no answer. And I think that's an interesting speculation. So the question would be, you aren't one of his disciples, are you? Because they couldn't believe that Peter would be standing outside of in Caiaphas's courtyard while Peter's while Jesus is being tried in the room above standing around the temple police who had just tried to arrest the disciples and who had just had and just seen the high priest's ear chopped off by one of those disciples could it be that one of those disciples had the sheer unmitigated gall to come here and stand around the fire what could have tipped them off well if you say they couldn't even imagine him there well then why would he why would they bother to ask him was he possibly a disciple? Well, it could be that Peter's countenance fell when the servant girl, the doorkeeper servant girl, asked him the first time, and he didn't answer it very well. He looked like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of his followers. He might not have given a con convincing denial, or maybe it was something in his dress, or something in his speech, or something that made them think, well, surely this guy, we don't think it's one of his disciples, but could it possibly be that he is? So they're, they're checking him out second denial. Let's read the account of the second denial, of Peter's second denial in Mark chapter 14, verses 69 and 70. Verse 69 says this, when the servant saw him again, now Mark says the servant, he's referring back to the first servant who was the doorkeeper servant. When the servant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, this man is one of them. So what we deduce from this is that she starts telling everybody, and then they start asking Peter. And the people that are stand around, standing around that fire, including the porch maid, including another man, and of course she chipped in with her two cents worth too. This man, are you one of them? This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. This is the second denial. Now let's continue the story of Peter's second denial by turning to Matthew 26, verses 71, 72. And we pick up some interesting details here. Verse 71 in Matthew 26 says this, When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again he denied it with an oath, I don't know the man. This is still the second denial. The second accusation was by another woman. That means another woman besides the doorkeeper woman. I call her the porch woman, the woman on the porch we get from Another another one of the parallel Gospels. She's on the porch. Mark mentions this woman on the porch. So notice now that Peter has left the fire in the courtyard and walked to that porch toward the gateway opening to the porch. 
he's probably getting feeling the heat and he's probably getting a little nervous. The questions are getting a little t- a little bit uh, pointed, and he's thinking maybe I need to get near the gate so I can get out of here. Notice his denial is a little bit stronger the second time because this time he denied it with an oath. And not only did he deny being Jesus' disciple, he said, I don't know the man. So he swore that he didn't know Jesus. So now he's really sinning. He's, he's denying the Lord terribly. This is the second denial. He's a perjurer now because he, he swore a solemn oath. I swear, I swear. Well, that's, a, that's perjury. So now, in addition to being a simple liar and a traitor, he's now a perjurer. No wonder Peter felt so bad about this when that cock crowed the second time. Now, he might have got himself in trouble by saying he never knew Jesus. I, I don't think it merit, meant I never, I never knew of him because everybody knew about Jesus. He, he'd made himself famous by then. But what he means is I didn't know him personally. And then the next question might arise amongst those around the campfire. Well, if you don't know him, what are you doing here? Why do you care? You're just curious? Could have got himself in trouble. All right, so this is the second denial. Let me repeat this because this can be complicated. The second denial, John says, is they. Matthew says it was another maid beside the doorkeeper maid. That's what I just read. Mark said it was the maid, the doorkeeper maid. And Luke said it was another man. So we reconcile about that by saying the doorkeeper maid, the porch maid, another unnamed man, all together start peppering Peter with the question. So were you a disciple of Jesus? Peter denies it with an oath. And by the way, I should mention this time, not only do we have to worry about the accusations against Peter in order to harmonize the passages, but also these roosters crowing. Remember, I've already, we've already had a rooster crowing after the first denial. That was in Mark. So let's just summarize this. After the first denial, a rooster crows. After the second denial, where we are now, a rooster does not crow. Not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. There's no rooster crowing. But after the third denial, a rooster crows, and that's when it's going to hit Peter that he's denied Jesus, just like Jesus predicted. Now let's look at, look at Peter's second denial through the eyes of Luke, chapter 22, verse 58. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. That's how we know that other person is a man, because Peter said, man, I am not. So let me summarize it again. This is the second denial. Who challenged Peter on the second denial? John 18:25 said they did. Well, who does the they include? Well, in Mark, it was the maid, the doorkeeper maid. In Matthew, it was another maid, the porch maid. And in Luke, it's this man, whoever he is, another man. They all challenged Peter as Peter heads to the gateway. All right, let's turn to... Peter's third denial of Jesus will start in John chapter 18, and we'll, we will read verses 26 and 27. John 18:26 says this, One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Now, this high priest's slave was a relative of Malchus, who was also a slave or a servant, of the high priest. And if you recall, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Peter had cut his ear off. Jesus said, put your sword up, Peter. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Then he healed Malchus's ear. John tells us his name. Now, this relative obviously would be interested in who had cut his relative's ear off, Malchus's ear off. He'd be interested in that. And he asked, the, so he asked the question, didn't I see you with him in the garden? He thinks he recognizes Peter, but he's not sure. Now, why might not he be sure? Because it was dark at the Garden of Gethsemane. It was lit. There was a moon that night, and they had resinous torches, and they had terracotta lamps. But still, it was nighttime. 
they didn't exactly have flashlights back then, so he wasn't really sure who Peter was. He probably also would find it hard to believe that Peter would show up right there on the doorsteps of Caiaphas, but he's suspicious, and so he asked him. Now, let me point out to you that in the parallel passages, it doesn't say a kinsman of those who ere Peter cut off. In Matthew, it says, they that stood by accused Peter, and in Mark, it said, they that stood by accused Peter. And in Luke, it says, another confidently affirmed. All right, well, let's just take Luke first, the one who's confidently affirmed. I saw, I saw that he was, that this was he, that Peter was the man that was with Jesus. So apparently after he has Peter, if Peter was the one that was in the garden and Peter denied it, the man became more and more sure of himself and finally said, no, that's him. I know it was. Now, as far as Matthew and Mark, they that stood by, the kinsman of Malchus is speaking for all the temple soldiers and the servant who are standing there. Matthew and Mark just don't mention the particular person in the crowd who spoke out. That's how you harmonize that. Now we go to verse 27. Peter then denied it again. Immediately a rooster crowed. Now this is the second crowing, as we learn from Mark. This is the second crowing. The second rooster crowed after the third denial. The first rooster crowed after the first denial. We only know about two crowings from the Mark account. This crowing was a fulfillment of the prophecy in John 13:38, which says this. Jesus replied, will you lay your life down for me? He's talking to Peter. I assure you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. That was in at the Last Supper. Mark records it this way in Mark 14:72. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. So this is the second, the third denial, the second crowing. The time was about 3 o'clock in the morning, according to John Gill, and between 12 and 3 o'clock in the morning, according to Adam Clark, well, let's just say in the middle of the night, Friday morning. We now turn to Matthew's account of Peter's third denial. Matthew 26, verses 73 through 75, starting with verse 73. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, You certainly are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. Now, of course, the those there are the temple police and the servant, and the one who's speaking for them is the relative of Malchus, the relative and Malchus both being servants of the high priest. What accent are they referring to? Peter probably, he had a distinctive Galilean accent, which would be recognizable in Jerusalem and down in the south. Just like if I hear somebody say, park the car in the yard, I know he's from Boston. It's real easy. You can tell accents pretty quick. I live in China. I can tell a southern accent from a northern accent very easily. And Chinese is not my native language even. So the accents can give you away in a hurry. His accent was a dead giveaway. Peter must have been a follower of Jesus. So now he's really trapped. Notice notice his denial in verse 74. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath. I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. He cursed and he swore and then he denied. So it's interesting. The first denial, he just made a simple denial to the servant girl at the door. The second denial to those standing around the fire he added an oath. I swear I don't know the man. Now, the third time, he's really worked up, and he starts damning people. He starts starts cussing. Damn it, I don't know the man, or something to that effect. I don't know how you curse back there in Aramaic, but but anyway, he's starting to, he's starting to cuss at him. He's really mad, and then the rooster crowed. 
That, of course, is the final, the second crowing of the rooster after the third denial. Now we read Matthew 26:75, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Quote, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he wept, and he went outside and wept bitterly. He probably he left the courtyard, went down the little porchway, the covered porchway, went to the gate outside and wept. Why? He didn't want people to see him crying inside. They would know immediately that he was one of Jesus' disciples. You notice that he wept bitterly. Two of the parallel passages mention that he wept bitterly. One of them just says he wept. John doesn't mention it at all, but John does mention Peter's rehabilitation. In John 21, verses 15 through 17, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said to Jesus, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told Peter. A second time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said to Jesus, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, Jesus told Peter. Jesus asked Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that, that Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. So Peter was completely rehabilitated, completely forgiven for his horrible betrayal of the Lord. Judas betrayed Jesus and didn't repent. He ended up in hell. Peter betrayed the Lord, but he repented. He ended up in the Gospels. I mean, excuse me, in the New Testament as one of the leaders of the early Christian church. Now let's look at Peter's third denial through the eyes of Luke. We'll start with Luke chapter 22, verses 59, and go through verse 62, starting with 59. About an hour later, this is an, a late, an hour after the second denial, another kept insisting, and this another, of course, is uh, Malchus, the relative of Ma Malchus, the slave of the high priest. Malchus was a slave of the high priest, so was this relative of Malchus, and this is who this another was. This man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Now, one little detail we can pick up here, and it depends on the translation. It says another man kept insisting this man was certainly with him. Now, remember in John's, occurrence, uh, John's account of this, the kinsman of Malchus didn't sound as certain. He was saying, didn't I see you in the garden with him? He wasn't totally sure. But by the, t by the time that Luke picks up the story, he is confident. He's saying, look, the King James says he confidently affirmed, of a truth this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. That accent gave him away. I'm sure this was him, while Peter's denying it through his teeth. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. So after the cock crowed, we find in Luke a very, very touching detail here. This Before I get to the touching detail, note that this the accusations are getting worse and worse and worse. The first accusation, Peter just denied it simply. The second accusation, Peter denied it with an oath. The third accusation, Peter starts cussing. It's getting real serious now. And plus, it's not just servant girls that are coming after him. It's temple guardsmen, men that are coming after him, police who could arrest him. So Peter is getting more and more desperate. He's cussing out his assailants. And while he's doing this, this is what we read next. This is in verse 60 of Luke 22. I should say Luke, verse 61 of Luke 22. Here is this detail I was telling you about. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord. He had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So the other parallel accounts tell us the 
rooster crowing is what tip what reminded Peter of his promise never to deny Jesus. But Luke tells us it's not only the rooster crowing, it's Jesus looking at him while the rooster's crowing. Oh my gosh, that must have been terrible. Now, Jesus was probably being carried out of the room where he was being interrogated. He was probably being walked across the courtyard, probably on the way to see Pontius Pilate at the next phase of his trial. He could not speak to Peter, of course, because that would give Peter away for sure. But he could look at him, and as Peter is cussing, cussing out the soldiers and saying, Damn it, I never knew the man. There's the Lord looking at him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can hardly stand to think about it. No wonder he was crying bitterly. Went outside and cried his guts out. All right, let's finish up this account by going to Mark chapter 14, verse 70. Verse 70 says, again, he denied it. That's the second time. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter again, these are the soldiers, the temple police and the servants, uh, and, and amongst whom was the kinsman of Malchus. They were, and those standing there said to Peter again, you certainly are one of them since you are a Galilean. By then, Peter's accent had given him away. They mentioned Galilean in, in the parallel accounts. Then he, Peter, started to curse and to swear with an oath. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. Now remember, Mark is the one who gives us the two rooster crows. And Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him. By the way, all these different details, you know what that shows? Independent historical accounts. People saw the event and they remembered certain details. That always happens when you have testimony of of live events. People latch on to different details and record them. That shows that these Gospels were not put together in a contrived sort of way, in a conspiratorial way, in order to try to make somebody look good or make somebody look bad. In fact, Peter looked pretty bad, actually. This is history, folks. There's nobody... No frippin' liberal in the world that can tear down the historicity of these Gospels. The only way that you can tear down the historicity of the Gospels is you're going to have to deny that Napoleon existed, or deny that Plato existed, or deny that Socrates existed. In other words, you've got to be a complete horse's ass. This happened, and because it happened, if you really want to say you're objective and I want to follow the truth where it goes and follow the facts where they lead me, well then look at the facts here. This was incredible, incredible story what happened as Jesus is railroaded and yet gets up on the cross and says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, as he carries the sins of the world on his shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for Peter's denial. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've returned from my splice discussing the Mark account of Peter's denial of his Lord three times. So that wraps up Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. We have one more story left in Luke chapter 22, and that's the story of how Jesus was formally condemned by the Sanhedrin. This is in the Sanhedrin, not in the kangaroo court examination in Caiaphas' house, but this is actually in the courtroom, the temple, which is probably in the temple, as Jesus is condemned by the Sanhedrin at, at dawn. That is, uh, it will finish up Luke chapter 22, verses 66 through 71, the end of Luke chapter 22. We'll take that up in the next audio. I hope you enjoyed this one.